Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Welcome if you're visiting us. I'd like to introduce you to Big Bunny, who I've been playing with in the worship with my granddaughter. Easter's not about Big Bunny, but shall I give him back to you? There we are. Good. Good. Um, you're about to possibly listen to the longest Bible reading you've ever sat in church and listened to. Uh, but don't panic for those who think, Bible reading? I haven't come here to be bored, but all, we're going to watch a video. So if I said we're going to watch a film or it's movie morning, that would sound a bit more attractive to some, I know. So uh, because of that, I bought some sweets. I know you've probably ate enough. My granddaughter said to me, are they sweets for later? And I said, yes. She said, I could eat a big one. So uh, <laughs> no, no false modesty. So you can pass these round. Happy Easter. I couldn't find any of those little eggs and I couldn't afford a big one for all you lot, so uh, sorry about that. But we're going to watch, uh, we got, there we go, Alex. You can uh, we're going to watch um, some extracts from uh, what's called the Jesus uh, movie. And uh, they're all the resurrection appearances of Jesus from the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's sort of a, a compilation of, of those. I'm not, it's, it's a few years old, the film, so you, you'll forgive it that. Uh, but, but I thought it was a good way of actually taking in some of the words of the Bible and re- realising the Bible is not a crusty old book. You, m- you may have a door propped open with yours or it might be a fern sitting on top of it. Uh, but actually, it's a great story, uh, the greatest story ever told. So, uh, so welcome to the longest Bible reading you've probably had to sit through. But I hope that you enjoy it and then I'll speak just for a, a shorter time afterwards. So enjoy the sweets. After this, Joseph, who was from the town of Arimathea, asked Pilate if he could take Jesus' body. Joseph was a follower of Jesus, but in secret because he was afraid of the Jewish authorities. Pilate told him he could have the body, so Joseph went and took it away. Nicodemus, who at first had gone to see Jesus at night, went with Joseph taking with him about 100 pounds of spices, a mixture of myrrh and aloes. The two men took Jesus' body and wrapped it in linen cloths with the spices, according to the Jewish custom of preparing a body for burial. There was a garden in the place where Jesus had been put to death, and in it there was a new tomb where no one had ever been buried. Since it was the day before the Sabbath, and because the tomb was close by, they placed Jesus' body there. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been taken away from the entrance. She went running to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved. Then Peter and the other disciple went to the tomb. The two of them were running, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and saw the linen cloths, but he did not go in. Behind him came Simon Peter, and he went straight into the tomb. 
He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the cloth which had been around Jesus' head. It was not lying with the linen cloths, but was rolled up by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in. He saw and believed. They still did not understand the scripture, which said that he must rise from death. Then the disciples went back home. Mary stood crying outside the tomb. While she was still crying, she bent over and looked in the tomb. And saw two angels there, dressed in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been, one at the head, the other at the feet. Woman, why are you crying? They asked her. They have taken my Lord away, and I do not know where they have put him. Then she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Woman, why are you crying? Who was it that you were looking for? She thought he was the gardener. So she said to him, If you took him away, sir, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Mary. She turned toward him and said in Hebrew, Rabboni. This means teacher. Do not hold on to me. Because I have not yet gone back up to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to him who is my father and their father. My God and their God. So Mary Magdalene went and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and related to them what he had told her. It was late that Sunday evening and the disciples were gathered together behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities. Then Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you. After saying this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were filled with joy at seeing the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I send you. Then he breathed on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive people's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. 
So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Unless I see the scars of the nails in his hands and put my finger on those scars and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were together again indoors and Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you. Put your finger here and look at my hands. Then reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop your doubting and believe. My Lord and my God. Do you believe? Because you see me. How happy are those who believe without seeing me? In his disciples' presence, Jesus performed many other miracles which are not written down in this book. But these have been written in order that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through your faith in him, you may have life. After this, Jesus appeared once more to his disciples at Lake Tiberias. This is how it happened. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel, the one from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples of Jesus were all together. Simon Peter said to the others, I'm going fishing. We will come with you, they told him. So they went out in a boat, but all that night they did not catch a thing. As the sun was rising, Jesus stood at the water's edge. But the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Young men, haven't you caught anything? Not a thing! Throw your net out on the right side of the boat, and you will catch some. So they threw the net out. could not pull it back in because they had caught so many fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Peter heard that it was the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken his clothes off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples came to shore in the boat, pulling the net full of fish. They were not very far from land, about a hundred yards away. When they stepped ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and some bread.
Bring some of the fish you've just caught. Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net ashore full of big fish, 153 in all. Even though there were so many, still the net did not tear. Come and eat. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. So Jesus went over, took the bread, and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This, then, was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from death. After they had eaten, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these others do? Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Take care of my lambs. A second time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. A third time, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter became sad because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And so he said to him, You know everything. You know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. I am telling you the truth. When you were young, you used to get ready and go anywhere you wanted to. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you up and take you where you don't want to go. In saying this, Jesus was indicating the way in which Peter would die and bring glory to God. Then Jesus said to him, Follow me. Peter turned round and saw behind him that other disciple whom Jesus loved, the one who had leaned close to Jesus at the meal and had asked, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about this man? If I want him to live until I come, what is that to you? Follow me. So a report spread among the followers of Jesus that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say he would not die. He said, if I want him to live until I come, what is that to you? He is the disciple who spoke of these things, the one who also wrote them down. And we know that what he said is true. Now there are many other things that Jesus did. If they were all written down one by one, I suppose that the whole world could not hold the books that would be written.
Ah, hope you enjoyed uh, that. It's great seeing it, isn't it? Well, three people think it is anyway. That's really good. (laughs) I think it's great. And uh, sometimes you can read the Bible, if you do read the Bible, and just thread the words through your eyes. But seeing it really strikes you. Maybe different things will have struck different ones of us. The, The tender way Jesus spoke to Mary by name, perhaps, for some of us. Uh, I'm a Thomas by name and sometimes by nature. I I love the way Jesus came to him just as an individual filled with doubts and said, hey, it really is me. And uh, and I like the bit about Peter at the end who'd sworn his head off and denied he had anything to do with Christ. And the way the only question Jesus asks him is, do you love me? Not what about this and what about that, but just do you love me? So we we could talk a lot about lots of those um, stories, but uh, I don't want to talk for too long. Um, they're just the eyewitness reports recorded in the four Gospels in the Bible, in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they've, they've got a sort of ring of truth. I, I love the way they even uh, could tell you how many fish they caught that day, because they'd have to report that and pay tax on it. Just the little details are, are, are sort of fun, really. But I want to talk more about the implications This being so, so what? Because of this, we can know whatever. And I just want to give four things that, because of the Easter story, we can know. And the first one of this, because of the Easter story, we can know that Jesus is God. You might not have thought about that. Because of his resurrection, we know Jesus is God. In other words, he said who he he was, who he said he was. He once said to a group of people, before Abraham was, I am, which was a claim to be God. He allowed people to come and worship him. But of course, anybody can say that. Sometimes people that are really seriously unwell might think that. His resurrection proves he said he was God, but actually is God. He was vindicated, if you like, by his resurrection. The Bible puts it this way in Romans 1 verse 4. He was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Anybody can say anything. I can claim to be the greatest athlete in the world. But if you put me on a track, you'd find out I wasn't, obviously. I could claim to be a great singer until I opened my mouth and sang. I can claim to be anything, but when you claim you're the son of God and someone kills you and you raise from the, get raised up from the dead and as many as 500 people see you in one day, you're vindicated. What you said about yourself is proved to be true. And I love the story of, of Thomas there. Thomas, who basically was a scientific man ahead of his time, he said, well, unless I can measure it, see it, poke my finger in the wound, I'm not going to believe it. Seeing is believing. Although Jesus said later, blessed are those who believe without seeing. But, but that was the, his attitude. If I see it, I believe it. And then suddenly, boom, Jesus is there. Hey, look at this, Thomas. Look at the wound. Do you, do you, want, do you want to poke your fingers in? Wow. I mean, I, I love the way the actor was so moved emotionally. Because he must have been, wasn't he? He must have been thrilled that Jesus was alive, ashamed of what he'd said. It must just have been a confusing, emotionally confusing time. And and then Thomas goes from skeptic to believer in a moment. I love it when that happens. Still happens today. When people go from cynicism to belief. Just like that. 
That's what happened to Thomas. And he, and he, he says the famous words, my Lord and my God. In the Greek language, it's this, the God of me and the Lord of me. So it's, it's one thing to say Jesus is God or even Jesus is Lord. It's another thing to say, and he's mine. And that's what happens when you become a Christian. You, you can have a, even a belief, Jesus is God, Jesus is Lord, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. It's when you say, he's the God of me. He is the Lord of me. And maybe this morning you've never really thought about that step, but you can. He's not just Lord and God. He's God of me. He's Lord of me. So Jesus is God, and we know it because of the resurrection. Because of this, we know Jesus saves us. The Bible says this, another Bible verse, Romans 4, verse 25. He was delivered over to death for our sins. Not his own, ours. And he was raised to life for our justification. Let me explain. His death was for, or in the place of, or because of our sins. He didn't die because of his own criminality. He died because of mine and yours and humanity's. He was delivered over to death in the place of to take our sins, our failures, our rubbish. And he was raised to life for our justification. What's justification? It's, it's when you're declared not guilty. It's when you're acquitted. He was delivered over to death in the place of our sin. He was raised to life to show you and I could be acquitted. We could be declared not guilty. His resurrection proves that the offering he made was acceptable. The offering he made in the place of you and me was acceptable to God. And God raised him from the dead. That's how any one of us can be declared not guilty this Easter Sunday morning. He gives us his righteousness as a gift. Anybody remember that, uh, that terrible children's program, Swap Shop? So, so wave your hand, just encourage me. It's rubbish, isn't it? Noel Edmonds. Noel Edmonds, he hasn't changed. I think he's been preserved in some sort of plastic. He just looks the same, doesn't he? It's gone slightly grayer. But anyway, leaving that aside, Swap Shop used to be, it, used to, it was a, just to the, for those who are too young to know what I'm on about, it was a Saturday morning, first ever colour telly programme. Woo! On kid, ooh, colour. Oh, so exciting. Anyway, you, you used to be able to phone in and offer some bit of old tat that you got left over. Like, you know, the Colditz board game that you were given at Christmas three years ago that you'd never opened because the rules look really complicated. And, and you'd offer this and then you'd think, oh, I want a scooter or a boomerang or, a, I don't know, something like that. And, and, and they would arrange this swap. And honestly, it was much more exciting than it sounds. Because really... <laughs> No, it wasn't, actually. It's about as exciting as it sounds. And, and everybody's hope was, I'll give some bit of old tat that's really battered, and I'll get something new and sparkly and shiny and clean back, because that's what we'd like. Now, in a far more superior way, that's what the cross is about. He takes all your old tat... He takes all the stuff you've done and said that you, you wouldn't want the person sitting next to you to know about. He takes all the, the shame that you might feel about events that happened recently or in the past. He takes your old tat away and he offers you his own rightness. 
his own goodness, his own perfection. How does that work? I don't know. It's an offer. It's a free offer from God. The Bible calls that grace. It's when you get what you don't deserve and can't earn. That's the Christian faith. It's not about growing religious and and somehow attaining perfection. It's about knowing that you'll never attain perfection and receiving his as a gift. By faith, just by believing in a risen saviour. Because of this, we know Jesus is God. He's Lord and God. The question is, is he my Lord, my God? Is he your Lord, your God? We know that Jesus saves. He was vindicated, raised to life so we could be declared not guilty. He's a saviour. The question is, is he my saviour? Is he your saviour? I've just got a couple more. The next one is this. You can know that Jesus is actually for you. He's for you. When he met Peter, he, he, didn't, he didn't say, now Peter, what's all this about the swearing? What's all this about denying me three times? What's all this about saying you're going to stand up for me and then, and then chopping off someone's ear and running away? What's all this then? He didn't bother with any of that. He just said, do you love me? Because he was for me. And it wasn't, okay, I forgive you, but stand at the back of the room in shame. It was, I'm for you if you love me. I want you to work for me. I want you to be with me. I want you to lead other people. Jesus is for you. Here's another Bible verse from the book of Hebrews. He is able to save completely and to the very end those who come to God through him. He always lives to intercede for them. Jesus is alive this morning and he is for you. Ever thought about that? He's not against you. He's not in a stained glass window looking down sternly. He's not still on a cross, though you see that in in, in many churches, and that's a fine reminder of his death. But he's not there anymore. He's living, this verse says, for you. There's a man who is God in the presence of God this morning. If you think about it, when Jesus rose from the dead and went back to his father, it was the first time since the Garden of Eden that a man had been able to stand in the presence of God. And he's still there for his church, for you. He lives for you. Isn't that amazing? Your biggest supporter is Jesus, who ever lives to pray for you. When you make a complete mess of it, he's saying, Father, forgive them. Clueless, I know. Clueless. But, but I died for him. Isn't that great? Jesus ever lives to pray for you. Every time you pray a prayer, you're joining Jesus. Joining in with what he's doing right now. Jesus is for you. The fourth thing is that Jesus gives eternal security, even in the face of death. I've learned a few things about insurance, with apologies to all insurance brokers present. (laughs) Sorry, Gordon. And, And that is this. The thing they most likely cover you for, the most cheaply, is the thing that isn't going to (laughs) happen. Is that true or is that true? If it's likely to happen, it'll be very expensive or they say, oh, we can't cover you for that. That's just life, really. And if you've had an accident, then of course the price will go up even more because it's more likely to happen again. That's just, what about eternal things? What about 
What about not only the uncertainties of this life, but the questions that lie at the end of this life or beyond this life? Jesus' resurrection brings to us eternal security. 1 Corinthians 15 has got this verse. I'll commend it to you. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. What's the first fruit? Well, it's the first bit that ripens. It's the first apple on the tree that ripens. It's the first raspberry. That, it's the first potato that you dig up. It's the first bit of wheat that starts to turn golden. What the writer is saying is, is Jesus' resurrection is the first representative bit of a huge harvest of men and women from every tribe and tongue and nation that will be themselves raised from the dead. Now, that, that's a bit of insurance you can't afford to do without, isn't it? To have a hope that's not just for this life. It's, it's not just pie in the sky when you die either. It's steak on the plate while you wait and pie in the sky when you die. It's both. But that, that's, that's a bit of hope that men and women often live their whole lives without. Uh, and I just want to say quite, since I've lost a couple of friends this last year. And I just want to say, if you don't know a saviour that guarantees you his company in this life, his forgiveness for everything you've done, and hope that takes you beyond this life, you're silly. It's, it's a stupid, why? Why, why would you not have a saviour? Why? So I just want to commend Jesus to you. He's my hope. He's my biggest supporter. God only knows why, and I mean that quite literally. He's my saviour. He's my Lord and he's my God. The question is, is he yours? It's just a simple question. I'm not going to prolong that. Let me leave you with the last Bible verse before we uh, sing one of our Easter songs again. You see, some people think Christianity is so complicated, but really it's as complicated as you make it, really. It's, it's quite simple. You say, well, what is, how, how do you become a Christian? What is a Christian anyway? Let me give you another Bible verse. Romans 10, verse 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. In other words, Jesus is God. And believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. That's not a great long doctrinal statement. We could get complicated and do all that, but we won't. If you believe, declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I'd love to, I'd love to pray while the um, musicians come back, if that's okay, and... Uh, Let's just bow our heads in prayer. I, I want to pray a prayer that you might pray if you wanted to become a Christian. If you wanted to say, hey, I want this Lord to be my Lord, this Savior to be my Savior. You can join in if you want. And if you do, tell someone that you came with because they'd be delighted to know that. Let's pray together. Let's bow our heads and pray.